Um, hey, while they're heading out, grab your Bible and turn to Romans 12, 1 and 2, and, and we're going to be there today, and uh, talking about discipleship, uh, and, and um, when we did a survey back in the spring, uh, one of the things that kind of bubbled up to the surface was discipleship, or making disciples, spiritual growth, um, they all, personal spiritual growth, they all kind of came in here as as something that people were interested in, you know, how do I do this, how do I get involved in this, how, how does this um, happen, and, and so I want to look at the personal component of it today, you know, what's, what's the me part of it, how do I engage in this, how do I take the first step to doing um, <clears throat> personal growth in my own life, and, and so um, over the next few months, we'll just continue to have opportunities to be involved and, and to grow and to engage and implement these things in our lives. But one thing I'll mention, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our ministry fair. We have a barbecue that Sunday afternoon after the second service. We want to encourage you to come and uh, be here for that. And it's going to be good food, good time. And we'll also have a ministry fair. And in that ministry fair, we'll have all the different various opportunities to serve here within our church. You know, the last two or three weeks, we've talked a lot about our children's ministry and, and what we do upstairs during this time and, and giving opportunities, and there's still opportunities to sign up to be a part of that. Uh, you know, I'm going to commit 52 minutes, not 52 weeks, but 52 minutes. I'm going to come in, and, and I'm going to be a part of that and, um, and, and engage with children and be a part of what God's doing in their lives. But um, both of these things are, are great opportunities, the ministry fair and then life groups, sign-ups for life groups, and to be a part of one of those. So um, put that on your calendar and plan on being here. It's the Sunday after Labor Day. So let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. And Romans 12, um, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. But to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to look at two things in this. And the first, first verse is to make holiness a priority. He says um, that um, we are to be holy and acceptable to God, to, be, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, and, and making holiness a priority in our lives, a personal priority that, that this is something that is important to me. This is something that I'm placing value on. This is something I'm going to invest in. This is something I'm going to strive for. And, and honestly, when you say, well, being holy, that sounds beyond us, right? We think, well, I, I mean, I know myself and holy is not a word I would ever use to describe myself. Well, this is a command from God. It's, it's not something that, you know, we come in and say, well, I'm going to do this. It's, it's a command from God that he is going to, to be a part of this. That's the goal. The goal of salvation is sanctification, is to be made into the image of Christ, to grow in our faith, to become more and more and more like him each day. And, and when we look at the end and, and we look at the, the future for what God has for us, it helps bring the now into focus and prepare us for that. In 1 Peter 13 through 25, um, a long passage, but Peter wrote, therefore, preparing your minds for actions. He's writing to believers, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the compassions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, 
you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass in all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So Peter kind of lays out in a big, big way the conduct that that is called for in in this this lifestyle that we're to live and to strive for. And and as Paul comes in here in in Romans 12.1, he's saying that we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. It it means that we're placing ourselves on the altar, not, not to be consumed by fire, but to be consumed by God. If you come in and you go into the Old Testament, um, when, when there was a sacrifice, they would, they would slit this animal's throat. They would drain the blood out of it. They'd pour the blood on the altar. They would you know, sprinkle it and they would do stuff. Um, and then they would, sometimes they would cook the meat and, and boil it. The priest would be able to eat some of it. Um, some of it was shared with friends as a fellowship meal. But, but when it was placed on the altar as a burnt offering, which is the, what's being talked about here, it was consumed by fire. It was consumed by fire to God as a pleasing aroma to God. It was a sacrifice made to God. And, and, and this is the picture that Paul is giving us, that we are to crawl up on the altar and stay there and be consumed by God. Not taking our lives, not that when we become a believer that we immediately just go into heaven, but instead we live our lives out here as a living sacrifice, that we are living lives um, Choosing to follow God, choosing to be there, choosing to obey Him, choosing to be consumed by Him daily as a follower of Jesus is a daily choice that we make. I choose this each day. When I wake up, I choose. Am I going to follow Christ? Am I not? Am I going to sacrifice everything that that is in this world for Him and to Him, or am I going to make it about me? This is a part of the process of, of sanctification. And, and sanctification is it's a theological term. We, we typically throw around the term discipleship or spiritual growth, but really it's sanctification. It is we are saved, that's salvation, and the moment we are saved, that is fully a work of God. He does it. We don't do it. He does it in us. He, he, we've been saved by faith, by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, not as a result of works that no one should boast. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, he saves us. God saves us. Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. He did what we can't do for ourselves, and we are saved. That is fully a work of God. But this work of sanctification, this process, we are fully engaged in it. 
This is something that we fully engage in. This is something that we invest in. This is something that we work at. It's a daily choice that we make. When we become followers of Jesus, we begin this journey from the moment we repent and turn to Christ, repent of our sins, turn to Christ and trust in him for salvation. From that moment forward, we are on a journey. We will still struggle with sin. We will still have things around us that that trip us up. But we have a desire to please God. In the midst of all of it, we have a desire to please God. We have a desire to be like Him. In Romans 7, 21 to 25, Paul said, So I find to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of the Lord in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So Paul, he said, I've got this sin nature. I mean, the old man has been put to death. He has been buried. But there is a nature, a sinful nature in me that I have to constantly battle with, that we battle with this, that, that we struggle to serve and please God. We have temptations that come our way. And when, you know, I don't know about you, but when we face temptations, sometimes it can be hard. It can be difficult. It can be something that we struggle with, and we have to put it to death. And, and so this is something that, that he's saying. And, and Paul said, you know, who's going to help me out? Who, who will rescue me from this? Because I want to do what's right. I want to please God. I love God. I belong to him. But there's this thing in me that every now and then pops up. And it, it's working to destroy me. And who will rescue me? He says, thanks be to Christ, Jesus, our Lord. He has done this. He has made it possible. And, and this is where we participate in the process, like I said, salvation, it's a gift from God. We, we don't, that's not us, that's him. But once we're saved, we have a role to play in that. Once we come to know Christ, we have a role to step into that, to lean into it, and to engage. Another way of putting that is, if you say, well, I said the prayer and I'm fine, well, that's, that's questionable. If you have no desire to please God, you have no desire to become more like Him, you have no desire to worship Him, you have no desire for anything of God, that would say that you have not met Him. Because to know Him is to love Him and desire Him and be changed by Him. It doesn't mean that you won't struggle with sin. It means that as you are are plagued by sin, that your heart is rended, that your heart is pierced by that sin, and that the Spirit of God is constantly working in you, changing you, moving you to be more like Him, giving you a desire to be everything that He wants you to be. In 1 Peter 2.11, Peter wrote, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Peter, he said, look, you, you are not of this world. You, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You're living on this earth, and on this earth, you are tempted. And I am urging you to fight it. Fight it with everything you have. Fight the battle. Stand firm. Um, Philippians 2.13, Paul says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Knowing that God is at work in you, God will make it possible. He will 
enable you to stand victorious. So we don't fight with sin knowing, oh, I'm, I'm just going to get crushed by the devil. No, what, what God says is I'll work in you. I will come in. And, and this is when we go back to Romans 12.1. I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. He's saying that we are to engage in the process on a daily basis and, and come in and trust God. We are to make it a priority, and we are to make it a priority to be in that process. And, and, and how do you do this? So you come in and say, well, how do I become a living sacrifice? How do I present my body to God um, and, and holy and acceptable in a spiritual act of worship? And that's a lot of stuff there kind of coming in. It's really simple. It really is simple. It's not difficult. It, it's not. The truth of the matter is every single one of us have what it takes to do that. First of all, we begin with the Word of God. On a daily basis, you as a believer, should engage God in His Word. He has given us His Word. If you want to understand the things of God and know what it means to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God, you're not going to dream it up. It will come from the Word of God. God has given this to us. It is His Word. He gave it all to us. So you can read it and you may go, look, I hate reading. That's fine. You don't have to read. You can listen. You know, the craziest thing about it is today, we have more things at our disposal for, for some people. And, and there are people who, you know, you read and it just doesn't sink in. But if you listen, it really does. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Look, in the day of Jesus, you know how they, most people got the Word of God? They listened. They didn't read. They didn't have a Bible. It was much too expensive. Only a handful of people had that access, and they would read it to them. Now we have it on paper. You can get it on your phone. Look, if you don't like to read, you can get the Bible app. The Bible app will literally read to you. You can pull it up, come in and say, I want the Bible read to me. I want it in this voice with this accent. You can have British Bible, whatever Bible you want. You can have Spanish Bible. You can have any Bible that you want read to you. And we stand before God without excuse for knowing His Word. So once we have been saved, we have a part to play in the process. So we listen or read the Word of God and we take it in. And you come in and say, well, you know, I, I just don't understand it. Welcome to the club. Nobody fully understands the Word of God. If they did, they would be God. Nobody's got it all captured. Now, there's some really smart people. I'm not saying that there aren't. Who, who can, they can totally just lay stuff out and blow your mind with, with the knowledge that they have of the Scriptures. But understand, they've spent years and years and years And it's a journey. You see, you don't open up the Bible today and conquer it in a week. It's a big book. It takes many, many hours just to sit down and read it through. But if you sit down today and you say, you know what, I'm going to commit five minutes a day to reading Scripture and working my best to understand it, 
at the end of the year, you know where you're going to be? Way further ahead than you are right now. Way further ahead. Because the Word of God is alive. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces as far as the vision of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, as we come into the Word of God, it cuts to the quick, it cuts to the heart of the matter, and it changes us, and it it makes us real. That's why I talk about reading the Bible so much and why we buy all these one-year Bibles. We buy a hundred of them at a time. Why? So that people will engage in the Word of God. Get a systematic plan for reading the Word of God, and I promise you, I promise you, it will change your life. It will change your life. The Word of God will change your life because it is the very breath of God. This is how we know Him. We don't get to know Him through social media or TV channels or anything. We, we meet God in His Word. We meet God in His Word. He speaks to our hearts, and He changes us from the inside out. This is what we're coming at here in Romans 12.1. The next thing I would encourage you to do, not just to read the Word of God, spend time alone, but get involved in a group with other believers. Get involved in a group with other believers where you can ask questions. Say, you know what? I was reading this in my Bible, and I really struggle here, or I don't understand this, or I need some help with it. And you can be with other believers who will encourage you and help you in the process as you go on the journey. Because we're not called to go on the journey alone. We're called to go on the journey with other people. So you may say, well, I'm just starting to read the Bible. I need somebody to sit down with me and help me to learn what, is, what are the very basic things of being a Christian. And, and there are people who would love to do that here in our church. I'm, I frequently, I've got a little group I'm doing right now with men, but I meet with them and I've met with men from their 20s to their 70s and, and met on a daily, uh, weekly basis or whatever their schedule will do right now. One of the guys is a fireman, so it's a crazy schedule because he works day on, day off, day on, day off, day on, day off, four days off, and it never stays the same. So you try to figure that uh, uh, with another guy who's got another schedule and work it out, but we do. And, and we go through there, and, and we meet on a regular basis, and we do that, and it's enjoyable. I like it. I like watching people learn. I like watching people begin to understand these are the things that God wants to do in our lives as we walk with him in discipleship as this process of sanctification. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to be submitted to him. This is what this does within our lives. So be a part of a group. You can join a life group in a couple of weeks. We're kicking those off. That's a great place to be. You can come in. You can encourage one another as you go there. You can have people who will challenge you, who when you come in and and you begin to say, well, I think this, and they'll say, well, here's what the Bible says. Or, what, you know, you can always come back to, what does God's word say? Because it is the, the foundation. It is the truth. That's, that's where we come and engage him. So you can do that, and, and you can invest um, in, in encourage other people because the Christian walk is not a solo thing. It's a team sport. Walking with Jesus is a team sport. We do that together. That's why we're in here worshiping together today. That's why we have children doing Sunday school up here so that they can be together and they can learn together. They can know one another. They can build friendships and and they can learn and we can learn to move together and be a part of one another's lives. And we can also invest in the lives of others. 
You can invest in someone who is not as far along on the journey as you, and you can invest in them. You can take what God's done in you, share it with them, and and experience the joy of watching God work in their lives and bring them where you've already been. And and we take what we've done in life, we take our hurts, we take our our pains, we take our sorrows, we take our mistakes, we take our sin, we take our 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 our, our um, victories and everything else, and we use it to the glory of God. Because there are no perfect people in the church. There are no perfect people outside of the church. We all have a history. We all have a past. And we need to leverage everything for the glory of God, to use it for him, to help one another, to grow in our faith. So present yourself to God on a daily basis to be consumed for his glory and for your joy. It's not just... I'm doing this just for God, but it's doing, I am receiving a great benefit from it. And there's great joy that comes from that, great joy from knowing him. And then the second thing in verse 2 is to commit to personal growth. So we, we make holiness a priority. We make this a priority in our lives. Um, this is our spiritual act of worship is what it's saying, your spiritual service of worship, which is interesting when we talk about that because we have boiled worship down. And as a matter of fact, if you say worship, you know what people think? Music. That is not the truth. That is taking worship, which is serving God. It, it, it encompasses all of life. When you go to work in the morning, that's worship to God. When you do it to honor and, and draw people to him, that's worship. When we serve, that is worship. When we serve other people, that is worship to God. That our lives, it says this is your spiritual act of worship. Your spiritual act of worship is striving to be holy striving to be like Jesus, striving to live the way that he lived in, 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 in engaging other people and showing them the truth of God and, and so forth. So this is what worship, he says, this is your spiritual worship. This is what it looks like. Is singing a part of it? Sure. But it's just a small part. Because, I mean, honestly, you spend 20 minutes a week doing that. Or maybe you listen to the radio all the time and listen to somebody else sing. But that's entertainment. Let's just be honest, that's entertainment, right? We have 168 hours a week that we are called to worship. And the second thing is do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Commit to personal growth. Commit to personal growth. We are called to commit to this, to, to growing, to transformation. Transformation is the goal for all of us. My goal, your goal, the goal of our church, the goal of everybody in the kingdom of God is to be transformed from where we are when we meet Jesus, from people who are dead in their sins and trespasses to being made alive in Christ and being changed to have his mind and have his thoughts, to be the people of God, to be transformed, to be changed. It's the opposite of, that's the opposite of confirmation, to be conformed. To be conformed means to be made like something by outside forces. To be transformed is to be changed from within. We are changing the way that we think. We are 
constantly pressured to conform to societal norms through various means. There, there are all kinds of societal norms, which obviously, you know, we can look culturally and say our culture changes all the time. What's right and wrong changes all the time. And we're constantly being pressured to change to whatever that is. Whatever that might be, whatever the, the, the cool thing of the day is, or whatever, you know, it, it comes in culturally, fill in the blank. You can, you know, I'm sure you have lots of ideas popping in your mind right now. All of those things, our culture is telling us to conform, to come in and, and to be that. That's what, that's what um, it means, and it could be from overt pressure to compromise your faith. And say, if you don't do this, you will lose your job. If you don't speak this way, this will happen. Um, it, it could be just from, from harsh opposition. It, it could be something as simple as, I just want to fit in at work. You know what, I just want to fit in. Or I want to fit in at school. Why, why are we different from everybody else? You know, it, it could be that simple, but um, <clears throat> being conformed is, is being pressured by outside forces to be whatever that norm might be. Now, that's not always bad. It's not always bad to have social norms that we conform to. For instance, when you came in today, you probably silenced your phone. And if you didn't, you're going, oh, man, I need to do that right now before somebody calls me. And, and that, that's not a bad thing because you don't want it to ring during church, right? You don't want your phone to ring. You don't want you to be the person that your phone rings and all of a sudden you're trying to dig in your pocket to find it and, and in, the, in the ring and you, know, you probably have like a weird Star Wars ringtone or something going on because it's some person that, that you assigned this weird thing to and it's going on and on and on. One time somebody had the whole entertainer play. I mean, this is when ringtones first came out, way, way back when. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I feel like the great Gatsby's about to play or something. But I mean, it's going, and, and, and you're digging in your pocket, or you're digging in your purse, and you're struggling, and, and your face is turning red, and, and people are turning around and looking, and eventually the preacher just kind of stops and waits. Because it's just crazy. And that happens maybe once a year, right? Why? Because nobody wants to be that person. Because you're conformed to a norm. That's one reason. But the transformed reason would be this. I'm not silencing my phone because I don't want to stick out or because of that. It's I don't want to interrupt what God might be doing in the room. See the difference? Now... If you're just conformed and turn it down, that's cool. Everybody's happy about that. But the better answer is, I'm doing it for the right reasons. That's what transformation is about. We're not changed by rules and laws and stuff. We're conformed to meet norms so a government, a society, a culture can thrive and, and so forth. Um, another way of putting that is, is we conform to the traffic laws, right? Doesn't mean we agree with them. Doesn't mean I want to drive slow. I may want to drive fast. But I conform to that. Why? Not because I've changed my mind, but because I don't want to get a ticket. 
So, so you know, there, there are reasons that, that, that you come in and do that. The problem is, is that when those things come from without, we're not changed. There just changes our actions. It doesn't change our heart. It doesn't change our mind. Spiritual transformation comes from within. When the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us changes the way we think and we view the world around us. It changes the way that I see people. It changes the way that I view sin. It changes the way that I view people who don't know Christ. It changes my heart towards them, and it moves within me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul wrote, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And in other words, he was saying, We are the dwelling place of God. God dwells within us and being conformed to certain rules as a believer. That, that's good. But being transformed is totally different. It's totally different. We follow rules and laws to avoid the consequences. That doesn't mean that rules and laws are bad. But transformation is when we allow ourselves to be changed from the inside out. That's when I allow God to come in and really change the way that I think and I feel and my desires and, and so forth. It's like, <clears throat> I, I just almost, we just almost finished a carport on the side of our house this week. Almost. And it started off at the end of July, somewhere around in there, Steve came over, and he brought this old case tractor. I mean, it's almost 100 years old. It's old, old, old. It's got a backhoe on it. He calls it hopeless. And we dug these holes over five feet down, and we got down into packed sand. And I understand this. This is stuff I, I do understand, the geology of it and all that, all the uh, soils and you know, and we set, we set these 12-inch columns, concrete columns that we were going to pour. Rebar, big, big foot on the bottom. Came back, filled it in with gravel. And, but before we did all that, Steve said, okay, now what do you want to do? I was like, Steve, I have no idea. I mean, I know how to dig holes. I know how to set up forms. Uh, I know how to do the concrete. But, but setting this thing up to where actually what we're pouring in concrete that will never move again is in the right spot for when we start putting wood on top of it, I'm all ears. And so Steve came in, and he comes in, you know, he's got his transit, he's got string lines, he's got all this stuff, and, and, and he lays this whole thing out. And I'm just looking at it. I'm looking at these three 12-inch, six-foot-tall columns of concrete that are way down below the ground. No, they're seven foot. Seven foot. Thinking, I hope it's right. And I trusted Steve to know it was right. And so he did. You know, he'd ask me every now and then, what do you think? I said, Steve, I don't know. You tell me what to do. We did that. <clears throat> and then Tim came over. 
He brought his excavator. He goes, look, we need to rip out this stump, this stump, this stump. We need to get out these. We'll just get them all out. He hauls out like three and a half trailer loads, dump trailer loads of stumps. We dug up and got everything ready, getting, you know, all this. Um, set me up. He brought me the wood for it. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, Wayne and Rick came over. We started building this thing up. And this is what happened. Real quick, they left me out of the conversation. They just left me out. I'd see them, they're working on something. They'd look over there, and, <clears throat> and uh, Rick would look at Wayne. What do you think, Wayne? I like it. What do you think, Steve? I like it. So I could have done two things. I could have said, hey, this is my house. This is my thing. Let's do it this way. Or I could have done the smart thing. He said, I know nothing about what's going on here. Tell me what shovel to grab, what hammer to grab, where to drive the nail, what to do, and I'll do it. And, and it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it just worked that way. And, and they helped me put it up. And they helped me get this thing up there, and it's absolutely beautiful. I just want to go sit under it in my lawn chair and barbecue. I mean, because it's great. And my truck says, oh, I will not have snow on me all winter long. But I needed help, and I needed to know how to do it. I mean, I'm, I, had a, I had an idea, but these guys have experience, and they know. And what I thought about the project, my thoughts changed when they came over and they said, you don't want to do that. This is what you want to do. This is how you want to tie this in. This is how you want to connect it. That part that you bought there, take it back and get this one. It's better. And so I changed the way I thought. That's what transformation is. I didn't just change my actions and I go in and I think, well, I'm still going to do the foolish things I did before. No, I'm changed. I'm changed. Look, I'm building the way that they showed me to build. I'm not building my way. I'm building their way. Don't call me to build your house. You know that. You, know that. you already heard enough to know. I'm not, I'm not your man. I can carry boards. I can cut boards. I can measure boards. I can drive nails. I can do all that. But I have to be told what to do. You see, transformation is when we respond to the Holy Spirit in us as believers and we allow him to change the way that we think. We don't come in and go, well, this is the way it is and the world has changed and God's word is 2,000 years old. Look, God has not changed. He is from everlasting to everlasting. His word was true from everlasting to everlasting. His word will never change. His word is valid. His word is real. The Old Testament, the New Testament, it is the mind of God. It is the heart of God. It is his, his letter of love to us. It is the direction that we have for our lives. And it will transform us through Christ and his mind and the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us is to give us the mind of Christ. In Galatians 5, 16 and 18, 
18, Paul wrote, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul said, look, if you'll walk by the Spirit, if you'll walk in transformation, if you will let your mind be changed, if you will see and taste that God is good and He has a desire for you that is beyond anything you could imagine, and if you will walk in His ways, you will experience life far more abundantly than anything you could ever dream of. You won't be destroyed by the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. That's what Paul was saying. He's saying, look, I've got this thing in me that makes me want to choose sin, but I know better and I've got this battle going on. Who will help me? He says, Jesus. The Spirit of God helps me, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you, will not, you are not under the law. And this was the big thing. Paul is saying, look, I've been transformed. I'm not living by the rules. I'm living by the Holy Spirit dwelling within me who guides me. It's not that the law was bad, the law wasn't a bad thing, but I can never be changed by it. I'm changed by the God of the law. And when we think correctly or biblically, and and, and those words are interchangeable, correct and biblical. You, You know, when I think biblically, I'm thinking correctly. When I'm thinking correctly, I'm thinking biblically. We see the world differently. We just see things in a different light. We see things from a different perspective. We see things from the perspective of God, and we live our lives to please Him. We're easily discerned between the holy and the unholy. That's the tension that we live in between the holy and the common. This is where we live today. This is the battle that Paul is talking about. It's a battle that Peter talks about. It's the battle that we face because we're living in a world, and we are surrounded by things, and we have the holy And we have the unholy or the profane. And that is what we are surrounded by. And and we have to come in. This was the command. The command to the priest was this in Leviticus 10.10. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common. Between the unclean and the clean. And we go back and coming back. Remember, we just went through Revelation for almost a year. We went through that book and, and, and coming in. And, and as we come in there, and you come in, and the end, you got the new Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth comes in, and it's cube. It's, it's this, you know, you see this, these dimensions coming down in Revelation. And, and then you come back and you go back and you go back to the temple. Where's the Holy of Holies? The Holy of Holies is cube. It's, it's, it's cube. The tabernacle, it's cube. This is space, and this is the most holy place. The New Jerusalem is going back to Eden. We're going back to the holiness of God, the holiness among man, the holiness of God dwelling with us and being with us and us walking with him in the cool of the day as they did in Eden before sin fractured everything and and threw everything into disarray. This is the restoration of it all. At the end, at the coming of Jesus, this is what happens. This is what our hope is. This is the new hope that God has given to us as we look. And and we are coming in today. We are the priests. 
As the people of God, we are priests. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Um, we, we have been called out. We no longer go to a priest to make sacrifices for our sin. We are a living sacrifice. We can know the will of God. We can test the things around us according to his word. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We can know that. And, and we can do that. We, Jesus is our sacrifice. He has done this. He has paid the penalty. He has done it once and for all. And we can know the will of God and test the things around us according to his word. It, it just takes a commitment on our part to the process. I have to commit to the process. I have to commit to that. And <clears throat> you're not going to get there overnight. You're not. You will not get there overnight. You, you come in today and say, you know what, I've never read the Bible through. Well, you won't finish it this week. It's a journey. I would tell you to, that, that unless you're just a voracious reader and you love to sit down at a lamp with a book, it's probably going to take you a year, and that's going to be a slog. And I'm just being honest with you. But it'll be the most amazing thing that you've ever done. And next year you'll want to do it again and again and again. Look, I've been doing this for 30 some odd years, reading through the Bible every single year. That's in addition to preacher study. That's just me. This morning, that was just me. In Job and First or Second Corinthians, a Psalm and a Proverb. I'll be there tomorrow, and Job will finish here pretty soon, and we'll go on. But if you invest on a daily basis, you're going to begin to see progress. You're going to see God doing stuff in your life. Because God tells us that His Word will make a difference. His Word will change us. His Word will come in and move us. And, and here's the other thing I want to tell you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God. And you're not your own. You've been bought with a price therefore glorify your God in your body. I want to tell you something. These children in here who know Jesus, they got the same Holy Spirit that the oldest person in the room's got. That Holy Spirit in that little boy or girl is just as alive and moving and changing and real as it is in the old man or the old woman. Nobody in the room has a corner on the market on the Holy Spirit. We are his dwelling place. We come into the Holy of Holies. That's the thing. That's the thing in Leviticus. In Leviticus, they kept coming back. You go to the most holy place. There, there's where the holy is. And you move out from there. The further you move away from the holy place, the more you move to the profane. And, and, and that's the thing. And, and you know, you come into Leviticus and, and you get caught up in the, in the sores and the yellow hair, the white hair, the, the pus oozing out or this kind of skin disease or that thing or, or this sacrifice or that sacrifice. You get lost in the weeds of it all. Look, just draw back and go, you know what? God is saying that holiness and perfection go hand in hand. And we were made to be perfect before God. Be perfectly, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, is what the scriptures tell us. And, and we are on that journey. We're doing everything we can. But in this world, sin holds us down. It causes us problems. And we need to link arms together, 
join together, focus on the things of God, and encourage one another and, and grow in our faith because that's the process of being transformed. It's changing the way we think. And that's the promise of God. You see, Paul said, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's, that's the thing. And you come up in Romans, and he builds all of that, and he says, therefore, this is, this is where it's at. This is what it is. And this is what God wants to do in our lives. So as we come in, I, I want to challenge you today. I, I want to challenge you to think about the things of God. And not only to think about them, but to let them wash through you. Let the word of God wash through you and change the way that you think. Change the way you think. Look, quit Quit trying to be changed by the stuff around you and instead be transformed by the Spirit of God who lives within you. He will do it. He promises you that. He gives us this hope and this future. So you come in and say, you know what? Maybe today you're saying, you know, that, that is like, the biggest thing for me to bite off today that, that I could have ever imagined, and it doesn't help me with personal growth because it's way too much stuff. And, and I, I'm going to admit, I, I threw a lot of stuff out, a lot of stuff. But one day, you'll stand before God. As a follower of Jesus, you will still stand before God and give an account of what you did. And if you stand before God and you say, you know what, I just really never got into the Bible. Conversation might go something like this. Really, well, tell me more about that. Well, it's just too complicated, really. So uh, what was it that you did? Oh, I was an engineer. Really? Not complicated at all, huh? Hmm, Okay. Well, I, I just didn't really have time. Oh, really? Well, let's look at your calendar. I, I, I just happen to have your calendar for your entire life. Let's look at all the stuff that you did. Wow, you got a great Instagram account. Amazing. You saw every Office episode. Kind of makes you squirm, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, we all have time. We all have time. Look, it's just a journey. You just start a little bit at a time. Sit down, get a Bible reading plan that's going to systematically take you through the Word of God. It doesn't take a ton of time. It's a minimal investment. But here's what I'll promise you. I've had so many people tell me this over the years because we have emphasized this hard-nosed for 26 years since I've been here. And I've had people come to tell me, you know what, I just want to tell you what, what reading the Word of God has meant to me, and I want to thank you. I want to thank you for that. Because it will, it'll change you. It'll change, it'll change everything about life. Because God's Word's real. It's Him, it's His heart. 
And then come in and you look at it and go, but, but I need more than that. Look, there are folks who will sit down with you and individually meet with you in a group that, that they're ahead of where you are, and they'll help you catch up where they are. And, and there are other people in here who, you know what, you've got experiences that you need to be working on and helping others with. Because this is a team sport. It's a team thing. So I want to encourage you to think about it. What are just some simple beginning steps that I need to make? You may, well, <clears throat> I need somebody to help me. Let me know. Let me know, and I'll connect you up with someone who would love to do that. It could be in my group or someone else's group. But we'll get you going on it. Be involved in a life group. When we sign up for them in a couple of weeks, it's a lot of fun. We do a lot of good stuff. Um, it, it's a great place to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to share your burdens with each other. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. Because God made us this way. He made us to do that. He made us to be transformed into his image. And we can do that, and we can help each other along the way. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for the hope that you have for us, that you've given to us in your word. Father, we <clears throat> praise you Because you're the God who came for us, who came to redeem us. You're the God who loves us. You're the God who sacrificed everything to redeem us and to restore us. Father, help us to love you more than anything else. Help us, Father, to be changed, to change the way we think, to change the things we desire. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.